trust you're doing well as we, uh, as we come uh, to church today and we consider uh, some more things from the Gospel of John. Uh, uh, John the disciple, is, uh, he loves I am statements. And in fact, there's seven uh, critical kind of I am statements which are connected to metaphors in the Gospel of John. And it's kind of a throwback to the Old Testament when, when uh, uh, John quotes Jesus as making an I am statement. He's saying that he's divine, that he is God. Here's, here's the seventh. This is a, um, this might be a strange question, but which one do you think is most popular? You say all of them. Yeah, right, that's, that's, the, that's the correct answer. But which one do you think is most popular? I'm not saying which one's most true or which one's the best news, but which one do you think is most popular? I think it's that one. I think it's that one. I am the good shepherd. Now, if I asked you the next question, and this is not just a question for people in the church, this is a question uh, across society, which, which psalm do you think is the most well-known psalm? Psalm 23, right? And audio anymore. Is it still there? Awesome. What's that? It's all good. He's giving me the thumbs up. I thought he was pointing to something being wrong with my face. <laughs> Which, I mean, that could be the case. It goes without saying, there is something wrong with his face. Here's, um, here's the two. You see the divine connection between those two? Um, Lord's my shepherd in Psalm 23, verse 1. Jesus comes along and he says, I am... A statement of divinity, the good shepherd. Well, why is Jesus being a shepherd so precious to so many? I want to throw a couple of things out to you just as we get started. Here's the first one. Uh, if we're honest, we all know that we need a shepherd. We know we're like sheep. We, we don't have control of pretty much anything ultimately in this world. There's times where we don't know what to do. Uh, there's times where we think something is a good and right thing to do, but it's actually bad and wrong and leads us down the garden path. There's times where we need to be rescued. There are times where we feel the need for a shepherd acutely. Anyone give me an amen on that? And we do. Let's be honest about it. I think the other, uh, another reason why uh, these two aspects of God, uh, these two parts of Scripture... This truth about God being our shepherd is so precious to it is, is it's actually very personal. Um, you know, when David writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, he's not saying the Lord is Israel's shepherd. Uh, and it is true. You can read that in the Old Testament. God does say that he is the shepherd of his people. But it's not collective in Psalm 23. It's singular. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. You know, God as shepherd doesn't manage en masse. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He knows his sheep by name. That's, that's not a collective shepherding only. That's a very, very personal one-on-one -on -one 
shepherding. His sheep know his voice. We looked at that last week. He leads them. His sheep are safe when they are with him. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? You know, today we're going to look a little bit more at the Good Shepherd. And it's my hope today that as we look at the Good Shepherd, you'll be drawn to him even more. Because he truly is the Good Shepherd. Amen? He's the perfect shepherd for you. If you've got your Bibles here, we're going to read from John chapter 10. I'd love for you to open them up, follow with me. We read from, uh, we work from the NIV version here. John chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. And just in case you missed it, he says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. If you're not Jewish, I think this is, you're the sheep and you're a Christian, you're the sheep that Jesus is talking about here. He's going to bring them into the pen of Judaism in a sense. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind, which has happened in the previous chapter? You look at three things today, and I'm going to start here with this one. You've got a defending shepherd. (laughs) You have this situation with sheep where they can get attacked. And in this case, the attacker is a wolf. You know, you might remember last week I said, your sheep are not in the predator category, they're in the prey category. So wolves come against the sheep and threaten to do damage and when the wolf comes against what Jesus is saying here is that there's two different responses that can happen depending on who the person is who's protecting the sheep and that's these (laughs) run away or lay down their life I want to look for a moment at uh, the hired hand that Jesus talks about here (laughs) you see the hired hand looks after the sheep for the money And before you jump in and your character assassinate the hired hand, I don't think Jesus is saying the hired hand is a bad guy. I don't think he's saying that. I think he's just saying he doesn't own the sheep. He's there for the money. Um, And you can kind of see this come through in the Mishnah. Uh, The Mishnah um, was a written collection of Jewish oral sayings. Uh, Listen to this. It lays down the legal responsibility of the hired shepherd. And there's this provision in there. That if two wolves come against the flock, you can do the runner, all right? It's not your responsibility at that point. Quoting from the Mishnah, 
two wolves count as an unavoidable accident. All right? So you put your skates on and you're out of there. You're off the hook, right? This is the hired hand. <laughs> you know, the point I think Jesus is making here is not that the hired hand is a bad guy, but for the hired hand, self-interest rules. That's how the hired hand works. <laughs> and he's contrasting the self-interest of the hired hand with the good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? Well, Jesus makes it clear, doesn't he? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why? Why does he lay down his life for the sheep? Because he owns them. They belong to him. They're his. (laughs) You see, with the hired hand, what rules the actions of the hired hand is self-interest. What rules the actions of the good shepherd who you belong to, is the sheep's welfare. Always. Always. You know, with the shepherd, not even legitimate self-interest wins the day. You could kind of argue that with a hired hand. It's like, that's legit self-interest, man. Like, if you're dead, workers' compensation is worth nothing to you. All right? So just get out of there. The wolves come against the flock and, and put your skates on and get out of there. And it's like some of us go, oh, that's fair enough. But not for the shepherd. It's never fair enough for the shepherd. For the shepherd, the welfare of the sheep, I want you to hear this, always wins the day. Always. You see, this is what you've got to get in your head. If it ever comes down to a choice between the sheep or the shepherd, the shepherd chooses the shepherd all the time. And I don't mean in terms of self-preservation, I mean in terms of giving his life. He doesn't walk away and leave the sheep. This is the mark of a good shepherd, isn't it? In the good shepherd, the welfare of the sheep rules. Now I want to pause for a moment and and consider the nature of shepherds in a broad sense. Um... Because if you've been in the church long enough, you you know Jesus is the good shepherd. And it would be easy to just scoot through this and not see the goodness of the good shepherd. At least not with the richness that we ought to. And and, and you would miss out (laughs) if we did that. So I'm just going to scoot through a, a, a few examples of people tasked with kind of shepherding roles um, and, and just have a look and, and my apologies if this stirs up nasty things but you'll, um, you'll see the point. Fathers. Fathers I remember years ago reading a uh, short book called Pastor Dad, right? And uh, fathers are responsible for shepherding the family. It's the way God designed it. What was your father like? How did he go? Did you ever see any self-interest in the way that he uh, shepherded the family? Any self-interest at the expense of uh, the welfare of the sheep? (laughs) 
Maybe there wasn't much. And if there wasn't much, um, what a blessing. But there's other people who, even now as I talk about it, you just go, I think most of what I did was self-interest. And it twisted and, and, and wrecked his, his shepherding and it, and it scattered the sheep. And maybe even, because that's what you see there, right? When a wolf comes against, the sheep scatter if there isn't a good shepherd. You maybe even feel a bit scattered yourself. If you're a dad here, how do you go? You ever shepherd the family from self-interest? I have. I do. I'm sorry. What about your mum? Uh, most mums, she probably did a great job, right? She probably did do a great job. Most mums do, in my books. But did your mum ever give way to self-interest? she ever make calls for her own benefit, not for the welfare of you or the other kids? Any self-interest at the expense of the welfare of the sheep that she was tasked with shepherding and caring for? Can you think of a time? Probably. And she, she might have been a great mum, but you pr- probably, you can, right? You just go, yep. And, and ask the mums the same question. If you're a mum, do, do you ever make decisions? Do you ever do things for your own self-interest instead of the welfare of your children? Probably. What about husbands? <laughs> Maybe they're doing well. Maybe there's a husband who's doing really well. Maybe they're not doing well. Did your husband ever give way to self-interest, make decisions for himself rather than making decisions for for you and and the rest of the family? Any self-interest there at the expense of the sheep? Can you think of a time? Are you this husband? What about elders in the church? The scriptures are very clear that they are the ones that are tasked with shepherding God's people. (laughs) You ever been in a church where you see them operate from self-interest? Even legitimate self-interest? You ever been on the receiving end of it? Ever ever seen elders, high-end church leaders making decisions at the expense of the welfare of the sheep? You ever been hurt by bad shepherding in the church? Have you ever been an elder or a senior leader in a church? Did you ever operate from self-interest instead of the welfare of the sheep? What about pastors? Get into Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and um, it says that God gave pastors to care for the church. 
NIV calls them pastors, ESV calls them shepherds. Alongside elders, these people are tasked with shepherding God's people. Ever seen them act out of self-interest and leave the flock, even for a moment? Ever seen any self-interest at the expense of the welfare of the sheep? Have you been a pastor? Did you ever act out of self-interest? I have. Anyone who has ever been a pastor has. Now, you might get to the end of this list and you just go, man, that's, that's a, we're having a good time. Before, this was a good church service and now it's like, man, I can't, can I get out? Because maybe you've had good exper- experiences with these. Maybe you had good examples. Maybe you had a good run. But here's what I want to say to you, and I want to say this to everyone who those categories and me talking about it then has particularly bothered you, or it's raised something that's difficult. Your ultimate greatest hope is not in fallen people. Fallen people, when they act in their own self-interest, whether it be legitimate self-interest or not, will deny and leave you alone and not look after you and not give the care that you need as a sheep. But this is where Jesus is a cut above. Jesus always operates with the welfare of the sheep at heart. Always. Here's how Jesus puts it, right? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. (laughs) What's this? Well, the good shepherd's willing to die for the sheep. A wolf or a lion or a bear comes against the sheep and he's willing to put his life on the line for the sheep. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And you've got to hear this, right? And you've got to hear this if you've been, if you've been hurt by these kinds of shepherds and other ones. Jesus is a good shepherd who defends you. He defends you. He will stand up for you. He does stand up for you. He fights for you. He intercedes on your behalf. Some of you need to hear this because you've been defending yourselves for a long time. You need to know that he has your back and that you can rest in it. But even though this is what it looks like Jesus is saying, it actually goes deeper than that because um, it's, it's actually not exactly what Jesus is saying here by saying he lays down his life for his, for his sheep. It's not like a wolf or a bear or a lion comes and Jesus goes and just meekly lies down and lets them kill him. That would be a bad thing to do, right? Because all of a sudden now the, the sheep don't have a shepherd. Now this is where the metaphor breaks down. Or another way of putting it is this is where Jesus extends the metaphor beyond the natural. And and here's what you just need to get your head around. 
rather than leaving the sheep exposed, Jesus' laying down of his life is the ultimate shepherding that you need. Do you hear that? It's the ultimate expression of his shepherding. How? Well, let me give you one way. That's how you get into the pen. That's how you get into the flock. (laughs) You see, the only way to get near and to be under the care of the good shepherd is that he dies on the cross and he brings you in. He calls you in. So good, eh? (laughs) It's on the basis of his death that he calls you to himself. And, and the reason why Jesus is such an awesome shepherd through his death is not even that he dies and he paves the way for you to come in, but he doesn't actually stay dead. And this is what Jesus says later on in this passage. He says, I have authority to lay my life down and I have authority to take it up again. And we see this beautiful benediction in Hebrews chapter 13. Point to this very reality. Now may the God of peace, it's through the blood of the eternal covenant, Brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, who? The great shepherd of the sheep. Now, there is no better shepherd that exists than one that you can't kill. True? It's like, okay, all right, Jesus is a good shepherd, but he died. And it's like, yeah, and he rose again, and you can't kill him. There's no better shepherd than that. As a sheep, you can be secure in knowing that a good shepherd is always... On the job, someone always has your back and he will do it perfectly every single time. A close shepherd, a defending shepherd, a close shepherd. Look at this. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now this is unspeakably precious. That Jesus knows us and we know him is amazing. (laughs) But do you know, for us sometimes, we can kind of skip past this one too and not notice the beauty of what's going on here because, you know, the the problem for us, I think, most of the time is we see the word no there and you just go, I know what no is. I've been in the church for years and I know lots of stuff about God most of us have been in the church for a lot of years and we know lots of things about God we've heard lots of sermons about God and 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 if we've heard some of those sermons we've been in the right um kind of places with people doing some good teaching you'd hear that God's omnipresent which means he's everywhere right um and, and we know that God's omniscient and that he knows everything so he sees everything he knows everything he's everywhere And we can just get snagged on this idea of knowing God and God knowing us. But this is not the kind of knowing that Jesus is talking about here. He is not talking about knowing about stuff. The kind of knowing Jesus is talking about is never less than facts, but it's way more than facts. And Jesus points to this reality in the very next verse. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. 
Now, if you had a circuit breaker in your brain and you understood what Jesus just said, then it probably tripped at that point, right? Like, when I was prepping this, there's a question in my head. It's like, hang on, what? Hang on, what? What? It's like, did he just say that? You know, like, I feel like if I was in the crowd, I'd turn to the guy quietly next to me and go, did he just say that? That he knows his sheep... And his sheep know him like he and the father know each other? You know, there's three persons in God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're perfect. They're in ongoing selfless relationship with one another. They serve one another. They love one another. They know one another perfectly. And they ceaselessly enjoy one another. They have a tighter relationship with each other uh, than anyone else in the whole universe and Jesus is saying that the way that he knows us and the way that we know him is like between the father and he now what on earth does this mean this is Hugh Jackman I want you to imagine for a minute that um, you're a journo and your task um, the mission you've been given is to do a doco on Hugh Jackman, right? So you just go, that's cool. Like I know a few journey friends and I'll give my journey friends a call. They, they've actually met Hugh Jackman. And, and so you give your journey friends a call and you, you kind of record down uh, the things that they tell you about Hugh Jackman. And, and uh, one of them says, actually, I, I know, I know the, um, the restaurant that him and his family often go to. And, and, and you go, oh, which one's that? So you get the name of it, you, you look up the phone number, you, you call it, and you just go, hey, I'm just popping in because I'd just like to talk to the, the waiters and the managers about Hugh Jackman. Is that okay? I say, yeah, that's fine, you can come in. So you go, um, you get on the plane, and you fly to wherever it is and you get to this restaurant and you, um, and you go in there and you, you're talking um, to, the, to the waiters about Hugh Jackman. You're asking all the questions about Hugh Jackman, right? And... And, um, and then you get to talk to the manager. It's awesome. They're telling you all this stuff about what it's like when Hugh Jackman eats and what his table manners are like and, and all that sort of stuff. You go, this is, you're thinking, this is, this is awesome. And while you're standing there, his two kids walk in, right? His two kids walk in, Oscar and Ava walk in, right? And you're just going, in your head. It's like, this is incredible. Like, I started out on the phone with some journo friends and, and now I'm actually, I'm going to get to talk to his kids. So you start uh, talking to his kids about Hugh Jackman and they start telling you stuff about him and then, like, off the charts, Deborah Finesse, his wife, walks in the door, right? And you're just going, this, this can't be happening to me. And you get to talk to her about Hugh and... And she's happy to share a few things. And, and like you can see this, right? It's like kind of concentric circles. You're getting closer and closer and closer to the centre. But I'll tell you something. Even though you had all that information, you don't know Hugh Jackman. Oscar and Ava know Hugh Jackman. Deborah Finesse knows Hugh Jackman. You don't know Hugh Jackman. You know about Hugh Jackman. You see the difference? See, to know someone is actually to be in relationship with them. This is, 
this is what Jesus is saying here is that uh, knowing Jesus and being known by him is about being in relationship with him. This is the essence of what relationship is. See, relationship's about opening up and letting someone in. You have to let them come near you and you have to be able to get close to them and it's no different with Jesus. You have to open yourself up and let Jesus come close to you and you have to let him take you close to him. This idea is right across the scriptures, you know, like relationship with God is like getting on the inside. It's not knowing about anymore. It's like knowing. And, and you know, there's people that can be in the church for a long time and all they know is about God. And they don't know God. There's a difference. There's a big difference. This is one of the ways that scripture actually puts it. Psalm 25 verse 14. The Lord confides in those who fear him. You see that? You get the inside word. It's it's not the journal, the reporter on the outside that just gets knowledge about it. It's it's we actually actually know we actually know him. What does it look like? Well, I think there's some hallmarks to being in relationship with someone for an extended period of time. Think about your best friend or your spouse, you know. One of the things that starts to happen is you start to know what the other person thinks about different things. (laughs) Um, I've been with uh, best friends of mine and we can just sit in opposite sides of a room with 200 people and someone up the front says something and we can just look at each other and just go, I know exactly what you're thinking right now. That's, that's what happens when knowing and being known has actually happened with someone else. Um, you, you learn how the other person would react in certain situations. You know, they, they text you something to tell you something that happened to them and you immediately go, I think I know exactly how they're reacting right now. I need to get on the phone and give them a call. Have you ever done that? Have you ever got around them? Here's another one. When, when you uh, have known someone for a, a good period of time and you're, and you're near to them, you're close to them, um, you, you change the way that you act to meet their needs. Right? That's one of the things that you do. Um, Ange, my wife Ange is born in Rocky. Right? She likes hot weather. Anything under 28 is a little cool for Ange, right? And um, do you know, somehow, I, I love the cold, right? But somehow over time between Ange and I, as Ange and I have gotten to know each other, I have got this other thermometer in my body now. And, and it pops up at the weirdest times, right? Because I can be out, not even with Ange, at the time, and there'll be a puff of cool air, and I'll go, internally, I've had this thought, I thought, I think Ange would be cold right now, Right? I've just got this sense of what temperature roughly Ange is going to feel the chill. How does that happen? Well, it happens from knowing and being known. If you know and you're known by someone, you know what gets them up in the morning. You know what gets them going. You know what makes them happy or angry. You know, this, the knowing and being known that Jesus is talking about here is trust and allegiance where you progressively open up the deepest parts of you. This is the nature of the relationship between us and Jesus. 
He knows us and we know him. Let me make it really personal. He knows you and you get to know him. Jesus is a close shepherd. I remember talking with a mate of mine a while ago about sheep. And he had been a sheep farmer for many years. He loved sheep, this guy. Uh, And stupid me, I launched into this typical kind of comment about sheep and how stupid they are, right? And and do you know what he said? He stopped me. He stopped me and and he said, Peter, sheep aren't stupid. And I was caught out by what he said. He could tell from the puzzled look on my face. (laughs) He said to me, he said, sheep aren't stupid. He said, they're actually quite smart. And this is what he said to me. He said, you just have to know how they think. He said, if you know how sheep think, you can handle them quite easily. And he was a good sheep farmer. He knew his sheep and he was able to handle them easily. Well... I want to say to you that Jesus knows his sheep. He knows you. He knows your past, your reactions. He knows your susceptibilities. He knows your temptations. He knows your weaknesses. He knows that you're fragile. He knows that if you have a bad night's sleep, the next day is probably not going as well. He knows that. He knows the wrong things that can hit you at the wrong time that can throw you. He knows what spooks you and he knows that you need rescuing every day. And I want want you to hear me say this because I think this is really, really important. He knows that you do stupid things sometimes but he never thinks that you're stupid. Do you hear me? He knows you do stupid things sometimes. Let's, let's be honest and we'll just all put our hands up and say we do stupid things sometimes. But he never thinks you are stupid. He loves you. He knows you. And you can trust him to lead you with all that information in mind. Isn't that good news? A defending shepherd, a close shepherd... A powerful shepherd, looking at verse 15 to 18 there. I'm just going to read it again. I lay down my life for the sheep. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Can you see the theme here? Here's the thing. Jesus is the one who lays his life down. What's so good about this? Well, lots of things, but let me give you one. This is the antidote to the doubt that sneaks in when people are doing something. You know the one, right? You know this doubt? You only did it because you had to. Right? You only did it because you had to. And when you look at Jesus... As a good shepherd who lays his life down, you can't say to him, you only did it because you had to. He did it because he wanted to. 
not because he had to. It was a personal choice. There was no one bigger than him that was leaning on him to get him to do it. But there'll be some of you even now that might go, hang on, wasn't Father leaning on him to get him to do this thing? You know, some have even gone so far to say that Jesus' death on the cross was cosmic child abuse. Well, that's a loaded comment and many have done a lot of work to unpack that one. But the second part of this section in John, um, by Jesus breaks it down. The first part is Jesus chooses to lay his life down, no one else does. <laughs> and then Jesus makes this comment, the reason why my father loves me is that I lay it down. And, and on the surface it looks like it's saying that the only reason the father loves Jesus is because he does whatever the father wants. Now, if that were to be the case, that would be a weird relationship, wouldn't it? I mean, that's just not the way that God rolls. It's not the way that God loves. He doesn't love the Son or us that way. What Jesus is saying when he says, the reason why the Father loves me is that I lay it down, is that he and the Father are in perfect alignment. And that, it's, it's that alignment that is the evidence of God's love, the Father's love for the Son. He loves to do what the Father asks. It's his delight and his choice. And, and we're going to see more of this uh, next Sunday, actually, but um, it's actually this alignment between the Father and the Son which is the basis for your security if you belong to him. Here's the summary. He's a powerful shepherd. Jesus is the one who lays his life down and Jesus and the Father are fully aligned. I'm going to pray the whole of Psalm 23 over you. (laughs) I'd love for you to close your eyes and receive this. Make it very personal. The Lord is your shepherd. In him you lack nothing. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you besides quiet waters. He refreshes your soul. He guides you along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, darkest the valley the shadow of death you will fear no evil for he is with you his rod and his staff they comfort you he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies that day is coming it may have happened already it's coming your feast in front of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely, surely, his goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.